Looking for the perfect gift for your little ones for Easter? Jesus Calling for Kids has two new editions just for kids, one in pink and one in blue. You can find them in the Religion and Inspiration section of Barnes & Noble today. As I grew in my faith and my understanding and knowledge of God, the Lord, and, and Scripture, I began to understand and realize that we may not understand what God, what His plan is for our life, but we can trust, you know, that He's in control and that we're not. And I think, you know, for me, it was realizing that my identity is not in Tourette syndrome or ADD or OCD, but it's in, in Jesus Christ alone. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Our guests this week have each experienced burdens in their lives that caused them to question their worth and their very existence. Musician Dave Pittman and home designer Rachel Van Clive. Dave Pittman, a budding Christian musician and an American Idol finalist, was only nine years old when he was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, a condition that can cause uncontrollable tics and vocal sounds. Before his diagnosis, Dave's classmates didn't understand what made Dave different, and several responded by making fun of him or bullying him. His dread of facing another school year, feeling different and alone, Dave shares about the moment that he was more afraid of living than he was of dying, and what ultimately led him to embrace his condition. My name is Dave Pittman, and I'm a singer here in Nashville and um, a recording artist. and. Um, uh, have a ministry where I travel around and go uh, going to churches and uh, different organizations, uh, schools to share my story of how I overcame um, I've overcome obstacles with Tourette's and um, OCD and ADD. Yeah, so I um, <clears throat> I grew up in a small town called Gasville, Arkansas, and. <clears throat> I was, uh, you know, I grew up in a church. Um, uh, my dad was where well, my dad was a music pastor and my mom helped lead the band and whatnot. But uh, family of, I grew up with a family of, I think it was a family of five and I have two other siblings. Um, and yeah, just grew up singing in the church. I was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome when I was nine years old. They had started noticing some different ticks and twitches when I was seven, uh, but I was actually diagnosed with Tourette's uh, when I was nine years old in the fourth grade. For me, I had a lot of why me questions, like God, why, why would you allow me to have this? Why did why why did you allow me? You know, why is it me? And I, I was I didn't understand, you know, in my nine-year-old brain. <laughs> just how I was supposed to, to handle this and live with it. And it was extremely difficult, you know, for me to go through um, <clears throat> uh, maybe a target of bullying and from my peers uh, at school and uh, affected me in such a negative way that uh, coming out of the fourth grade year uh, into the summer, there was about two weeks of the summer left and, um, you know, we were sitting down at the breakfast table with my, with my mom and dad, uh, and my two other siblings. And my mom asked the question to all of us, uh, us kids, you know, are you guys ready to go back to school? And, 
She says she remembers the terror that came over my face, and I remember it as well, just thinking about <laughs> there was no way I could come <laughs> go back and face another year uh, of that. And again, you know, and I was just afraid, more afraid of living through that again than I was of dying. And in that moment, just really just became suicidal. And <clears throat> I, um, <laughs> later that afternoon, my mom and dad left. <laughs> the house to run an errand and I went back to my bedroom um, and uh, got a piece of paper and a pencil and wrote down mom and dad I love you I'm gonna miss you and I had a I drew a frown face with tears rolling down and then I went into my mom and dad's room shut and locked the door my other siblings were at a different part of the house and I put the note face up and I got my dad's, my father's gun and uh, was about literally about two seconds away from pulling the trigger. And I heard the front door of our home open up and I knew mom and dad had come home just a little bit earlier than I expected. They proceeded down the hallway, knocked on the door. In the meantime, I'm scurrying around to get all of things back together in order. I turned the note face down, finally let him in. And they uh, proceeded to ask me, you know, Dave, what were you doing in here with the door locked? And, you know, I just, I was silent. My mom sees the, the piece of paper on the floor in the middle of the floor and she turns it over into her horror. She sees what's written on the other side and, you know, she just loses it. And at that point I lose it as well because all those feelings from the year before just kind of came up and out, you know, things I wasn't open with. And so, you know, she, <clears throat> You know, we kind of all had a moment there in the, the middle of their bedroom floor, just cried and prayed together. I received some counseling. My mom and dad decided to pull me out of public school uh, going into the fifth grade and to homeschool me for that fifth grade year. And I just remembered during that year, my mom just drilled into my head and my heart. Well, both my parents did drilled into my head and my heart the importance of accepting <clears throat> yourself for who you are, and not just who you are, like who you are, but like who you are in Christ, like your identity, um, <clears throat> who you've become in your walk with Christ. And she used uh, the example of Paul and the thorn in his flesh in the Bible, and when Paul asked asked God to to remove remove it three times and God's answer to him every time was uh, my grace is sufficient enough for you my power is made known through your weakness and for whatever reason that stuck with me for me music (laughs) you know for whatever reason I noticed that when I whenever I would sing the ticks and Tourette's you know would not be present and so (laughs) For me, it was kind of a safe haven, a comfort, you know, if you will, Um, just to be able to sing and it it not affect me. And uh, since I love to do it anyways, you know, I love to sing and use my talents that way. It just made it all the more better when I would sing and I wouldn't suffer in those moments uh, that for two and a half minute song. I was part of the school band, you know, junior high and high school and choir as well. They wanted me to sing. and I sang The Way You Look Tonight. Um, and uh, to me, 
And it, it was like my first, other than like a few talent shows here and there that I did, it was my first thing outside of the church that I did. And it, I was like, you know, and people really responded to that and it was great. And so I think for me, it was like, man, I really, really want to try and do this when I get out of school. I didn't know, absolutely know how I'd do that at all. But I just, I was like, I've got to, I've got to try and, and, and pursue music. So I graduated high school and then really didn't have plans to go to college because I just didn't see schools in the future for me. <laughs> and so I moved two and a half hours um, away from my hometown uh, and I was working three jobs trying to make ends meet. Things weren't happening. <laughs> and uh, long story short, got an opportunity to... <laughs> Uh, receive a full tuition scholarship to go sing in college to sing a, a a male trio in college you know was a part of that group for four years uh, graduated in 2004 uh, with a religion degree but finishing finishing that school in 2008 um, I wanted to pursue music my career I just didn't know again how I would do that I moved um, back home temporarily in our, back in Arkansas uh, from Virginia and <laughs> to pursue that. Um, Branson, Missouri was about an hour and a half north of where I grew up in Arkansas. And so I auditioned for a few shows there in Branson. Some of them seemed promising, but just really never panned out. And my dad around that time asked me, <laughs> have you thought about trying out for American Idol? And I said, well, sure. You know, I uh, loved, loved watching the show throughout the seasons. And he brought that up to me. I said, you know, why not? Right. I wasn't married at the time. So I was, let's go do this. I drove by myself to uh, seven and a half hours down to Dallas, Texas, <laughs> slept in line there to audition and and it was a crazy crazy audition process you know I was I went over three months um, the audition process uh, once in so I went down my very first time was in June um, and then I went the next got through that that round and then the next round was in um, uh, July and then in August I found out I was going to to Hollywood at that point so I made it to there was 180 of us that went to Hollywood and I made it to the top 70 and was cut group round. And, but it was just, it was an amazing experience. I mean, uh, to be on a show of that caliber was just very humbling. And so many people that I auditioned with uh, were as good or just as good or better than I was. And so it was really just God's favor for me being able to be a part of a show like that. Um, so I was very, very grateful. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris was one of the guest judges during the road audition uh, for that year. And he made a comment to me. He said he thought I was crazy brave for getting in front of 30 to 40 million people with Tourette's. After the show, I finished the show in 2010 and then <clears throat> decided to further my career and move to Nashville, Tennessee. And I sat down with Stephen Dell and wrote a, a song called uh, Crazy Brave, which was the title track to my album. Um, 
<clears throat> Crazy Brave. Uh, we toured that for about three and a half years, and <laughs> it was an amazing, just amazing opportunities that got opened up for me um, at that point. I was doing a lot of dates in schools. I had, you know, I had schools across the country asking me to come in and share my story of how overcome overcome obstacles. Uh, I remember a particular junior high student uh, boy who came came up to me after I had shared my story in a school, um, and he said, "He said, hey, my name is so and so, and." He said, uh, two days before you came, I, I too was going to take my own life. And my girlfriend encouraged me to not do that, but just to hold on a little longer. And then I come and share my story. And he said, Dave, I, I completely get it now. He said, I understand why you know, this, this particular boy had been in trouble <laughs> With the law, you know, he was junior high age and he'd been behavioral issues that he had uh, struggled with. And and it turns out that he had he was diagnosed with dyslexia. He was uh, he was living in fear for what people might think of him if they like I was. So his his go to was to put others down and act out to make himself feel better. This this particular young boy, junior high boy, was, in this case, the bully, and because he had his circumstance, was in dyslexia, and he didn't know how to deal with it, and the best way he knew how was to pick on other people, and he said, after I came and shared my story, he said, I totally get why I was doing what I was doing, he said, I'm going to be more out front with it now, and and you know, you completely changed the way I viewed it. <laughs> and, uh, and you've ultimately helped save my life because I didn't know how I didn't want to live anymore because of, because of it. <clears throat> and that was honestly, he was one of numerous, I can't count on both hands, <laughs> how many people, students like him <clears throat> said, Specifically, suicide were suicidal, but because I came, changed, changed their uh, <laughs> their outlook. After three and a half years, we were, you know, like I said, we were working 14, 18 hour days. I was exhausted, <laughs> just kind of burnt out. So I decided to take a long break. <laughs> so I stopped on the, you know, on the road. I think my last concert was in Des Moines, Iowa, in 2013, <laughs> and I got off the road and and uh, <laughs> just took a long break and just God began to work on my heart and uh, I got into God's word like I never had before and just started reading and getting to know God even more and uh, <clears throat> I'd heard about Jesus calling for a long time you know I'd, I'd seen everybody's library or bookshelf filled with the Jesus calling somewhere like, like <laughs> in every home that I've been in and I've read um, a few devotionals from there, and I, I, I do I do love the devotional and what Jesus um, Calling is doing. And at that point, sometime during that break, I, I uh, got married to my beautiful wife Chelsea, and <laughs> after we were married, we we started talking about album number two, 
and uh, so I started to do to do a Christian album at that time and this is my last album different kind of love you know fast forwarding after you know getting married and having that break God just began to break my heart for the church and wanted I just wanted to encourage it you know the body of Christ and those who didn't know him with what God had done through my life and in and, and through my life and, and that this was of him and not of me and so that's ultimately what made the decision just tra- transition over to CCM and do a, a faith-based album <laughs> and plus I had tons of, of people asking me fans asking me when I was going to do a Christian album you know so <laughs> I did it. So we, it was about a three and a half, four year period that it took to uh, complete the album. And I think it's okay to ask why, even now, yeah, because Job did. We look at Job's, Job in the Bible, you know, he asked God, you know, why, why is this happening to me? And as long as we come to a point of faith and trust that at the end of it, yeah, God, we don't, we don't understand. We, what's going on, why you're allowing me to walk through this, whatever that define this, whatever that is, you know, but we can trust and that he, he has a plan and that, and, you know, and it's really, it's Romans eight twenty eight. you know, God works all things together for our good, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And that's, <laughs> that is like one of my life verses. And, uh, you know that and and proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths and then uh, it's james 1 2 you know that's those are my like three <laughs> three verses my favorite verses um so and i i think it's okay to ask why you know i don't ask why much anymore just because I, i've come to accept it but and embrace it because anyone can accept something they have to do but when you can embrace something that you get to do, it's a, it's a different, it, it changes things. And for me, it, it changed that, you know, I get to do this now, you know, because God's going to get the glory for it. He, he gets more glory out of me having it than he, than he does if I didn't. So that's okay with me. You can learn more about Dave's music by visiting his website, DavePittmanLive.com. You can also see Dave as part of our new YouTube series called What's Good? on the Jesus Calling YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Jesus Calling Book. Stay tuned to Rachel Van Clive's story after a brief message about a beautiful new edition of Jesus Calling that's a perfect way to prepare your heart for Easter. The Easter season is filled with joy and hope. Now, there's a new way to focus on the holiday with the new book, Jesus Calling for Easter. With 50 Jesus Calling devotions selected just for the Lent and Easter season, Jesus Calling for Easter includes scripture verses alongside breathtaking imagery and exquisite design. Jesus Calling for Easter makes a stunning gift for those who love Jesus Calling and would like a new way to observe the Easter season. To learn more about this beautiful new edition of Jesus Calling, please visit JesusCalling.com books. Sometimes we cultivate talent and community in the most unlikely places. That's what happened for Rachel Van Clive. Growing up, Rachel watched her mom create a beautiful home for her family and taught her girls to do the same. As Rachel grew older, she looked forward to having a family and a home of her own. 
But after she had her first baby, she experienced severe postpartum depression that turned her world upside down. As she searched for purpose and a way out of her depression, Rachel began to practice what her mother taught her, how to create a beautiful space on a budget, and shared her skills with an engaged home decor community online. Today, she shares her journey to finding your why in your home and helping to create a space that is warm and welcoming. My name is Rachel Van Clive. I was a born and raised Nashvilleian, which is really rare these days. My husband is also a Nashvilleian, and we bought 20 acres right outside of Nashville two years ago and built a farmhouse. And we started out sharing with our friends and family, but then decided to create an Instagram and share our journey about our home build. And with that came followers and people interested in how I designed things. And little did I know I was a designer um, and had passion for it. Richard and I also own a real estate company and, and have for the past 10 years. We also homeschool our two boys here in the house. So we work, play, and do all the things with, with the home. Well, as a little girl, my mom would change up all the rooms. She deeply enjoyed decorating and making her house a home. And while I didn't think it was my style then, I enjoyed watching her. So she would always let my sister and I decorate our rooms, which is so gracious of her now that I think about it because we had like posters of all the boys we had crushes on and just all different kinds of of things. And she let us do it once a year. And now looking back, I really think that's kind of what pushed me into this realm. Watching her create a home now has really made me appreciate it. My mom's always said I've had a, a close relationship with God. She, she tells the story of when I was four, you know, she would overhear me like, come down, Jesus. And I would just talk to him. And she just noticed from an early age that that was really important to me. I grew up in church. Richard grew up in church. Um, we actually met at church in the youth group. So he's three years older than me. It's always been a part of our life and it always will be. I always tell um, moms that are like, well, my daughter started dating this guy. She really likes him. And I'm, and I'm the one that's like, well, you know, she might marry him. And they're like, don't say that. I'm like, well, I did. <laughs> After I had my first baby, it just kind of all fell apart. I got postpartum. I lost myself. You know, I was a smart magna cum laude graduate, and I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be. And it just really spiraled quickly out of control. You know, Richard and I almost got a divorce. It was just a rough patch. And through that, I kind of thought, I need something for myself. And in our first home, I started just taking some pictures, and it kind of gave me something to do every day. I got up. I took a picture of something, I played around, I decorated, and it kind of brought out a passion in me. And then after that, you know, the sky was the limit. I just started seeing response and I grew a small community online. And then I got on medication for the depression and things just started turning around. But without diving in and trying to understand my heart and what I wanted for myself, I wouldn't have ever been able to share as far as Instagram. And then when we started building the home, I thought, oh, you know what, I'll just take this journey a little further and it's just opened up a whole new world for me. Well, when I started my Instagram journey, I felt the Lord specifically say, you know, everyone knocks social media for not being a good thing for this generation, but I wanted to use it for good. So I um, worked with a non-for-profit and they pretty much, long story short, put girls in Liberia off the streets and then put them in an educated 
school for a year. So because of that, I got together like six or seven larger accounts that were larger than me at the time and asked if they wanted to do what we called a loop where each account shared a beautiful part of this organization. And because of that, people donated. Long story short, we put 28 girls off the streets into the school for a year. So a whole classroom was full because of uh, a day's worth of Instagram work. And so that to me sparked so much, like we have the power to do so much as moms, as women that sit at home, like with a touch of a button and some ingenuity, we could put together this great thing for people around the world. And so because of that, I started a relationship with certain women and they helped me along the way. And it's just become this community and the home decor community is so kind. Um, And most of them are Christian women and we support each other. And I think you know, I just fell into this wonderful thing in this online space. And I think within this home decor community, you know, you get every aspect of design and you can feed off each other and ask people's advice. But more importantly, we share in each other's successes, which is really hard to come by. A lot of women just want to compete against each other. And it's usually self-doubt, you know, and this community has just, if I have something great happen, they want to know about it. They want to cheer me on. They want to share me. It's just, it's just, a beautiful outlet of women building each other up. And, and you don't get to see that if you just are a stay at home mom, unless you have, you, know, you can have a wonderful church community and friends, but you know, that your span doesn't reach much past 20 or so people. And this just takes you to the thousands and to have that kind of support in a one little app is, is a beautiful side of social media. The book's called She Made Herself a Home. Wanted my purpose for everything on Instagram everywhere is to create a home of intention and not necessarily with decor, but just in how you create a space and how your kids feel when they leave to go to school and how your friends feel when they come through the door. And it's more more important to me to create a feeling. And that's why I created the book. So it teaches women how to create intention in their home and then without breaking the bank. So I'm a frugal McDougal. I love Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and thrift stores and repurposing. And I kind of joke that, you know, I have a a high taste, but on, on like a target budget. So I try to keep things in mind. And I think that's what people relate to because not everybody can afford these pottery barn or restoration hardware pieces. And they just um, simply want to work with what they have first and then be taught how to use their money wisely within the home. I asked 40 women, instead of having designer photographs and all that, I wanted to share the book with these beautiful women in the community that are moms and grandmas and single women, married women. And so within the book, you'll see all pictures from their homes and they're not designers. They're, you know, they're, they have a story just like me. So the book is full of tips from myself, but also these women that I asked to be a part of it. My why for the home is to always have the doors open. When we built this house, I prayed because I'm an introvert. My husband's the class clown. And for me, it was really hard to always open the doors because it meant I had to clean and I had to prep and I had to do, you know, I I had all this list to accomplish. But um, when we built this house, I prayed specifically that we'd always be hospitable. And (laughs) it's really the home that's never closed. So because of that, our why has become hospitality and letting people see Christ at all times and that they're welcome here. I talk about five must-haves for each space, but I'll just give you a few. To me, what's important is lighting. I hate bright light in my face, especially at night. So I always talk about low light, adding lamps here and there, 
even dimmers if you can, or just creating the mood with the time of day is important to me. I add rugs and throws and pillows to make things more cozy, but Again, I talk about the tangible things, but more importantly, I think you have to have an open heart and an open mind for people in your home and for that space because, you know, as a, like I said, an introvert, it was hard for me to open it up. So go into your gathering space with the idea of gathering <laughs> and letting go of a perfect clean house or, you know, whatever it is holding you back. If, if this is a gathering space, then it's meant to be gathered in. I feel like everything starts in the home. Your day starts in the home and it ends in the home. And if you can't feel all those things that I mentioned within it, then you won't be who God created you to be. So many of us take with us the home that we grew up in. And whether it was good or bad, you have the decision and the right to change it now and make it good for yourself and good for the people in your life. So it's all about creating that space that gives security and peace so that you can give it to others. You can find more home decor tips from Rachel and pre-order her new book, She Made Herself a Home, at crateandcottage.com. If you'd like to hear more stories about discovering God's plan for your life, check out our episode with television personality Elizabeth Hasselbeck and photographer Jeremy Coward. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with country music star Lauren Elena. After finishing in the top two on her season of American Idol, a then 15-year-old Lauren was cast into the public spotlight to deal with the highs and lows of fame. Lauren reflects on her anchor through it all. I don't know. When I when I was young, I kind of grew up in a, a household that there were lots of ups and, ups and downs. But the one thing that I do feel like my parents nailed was Jesus' love I, and his unconditional love. And I never felt like I wasn't loved. And um, going through what I've gone through publicly and all of the things, I, the one constant thing I always had was Jesus. And I I say a lot, we turn our back on Him. He never turns His back on us. And anytime we're willing to go back to Him, He's always there. Do you love hearing these stories of Faith Weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel on IGTV or on JesusCalling.com slash video.